Grace and peace, family. How we doing? <laughs> Father God, we thank you so much for who you are, what you are. We ask that your spirit will continue moving in this service. Anoint me afresh. Bring things that I need to remember as I studied. Particular to this group, we ask that you have your way. Use me as I am your tool. You increase as I decrease. So that you will receive all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. How was your forgiveness this week? Oh, quiet. It's quiet. Man, I wrestled. There was this one person. I'm like, Lord, do I really have to? You know, it's not one of those where, 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 where I was asked, you know, I, was, I, I felt that God wasn't telling me to, okay, just forgive him in your heart. Like, I had to reach out to that person. I'm like, man, Lord. You know, and all the way up until yesterday, I was like, okay, God. No, that, that was my week. You know, I'm, I'm being truthful, you know. But um, God is so good. And, you know, I went through the process, and I feel a little better. I'm still working on it. <laughs> right? You just wait for that one, you know, wait of, ah, oh, I did it, right? Certain, certain aspects of forgiveness, you don't feel that way right away. You still feel like, man, is it done yet? Is it finished? Was, am I the only one? Like, no? Because y'all are quiet. Some of y'all probably didn't even forgive somebody. That's what it was. Some of y'all still rustling. Like, oh, that was this week, Pastor Jamal? I thought that was the week before. You know, so, but, you know, as we continue, because we're wrapping up on our, our conversation on generosity and being generous. And, you know, and, you know so last week we were talking about magnanimous. Uh, it's funny. Growing up in a house, seven boys. And with seven boys, it wasn't, you know, selflessness was not just something you learned. It's something that you, you, you it became the norm, you know, um, you know and, and either voluntarily became the norm or through some, um, <laughs> you know, so, so like I, I couldn't grow up and say that, that you know, that's mine and, and this is mine, you know, so I, throughout the time, you know, especially because three of us were back to back, one, two, three. You know, my older brother Fonzo and I, we were 11 months apart. So we just did not share clothes. We shared birthdays. I, I, like, I didn't have my own birthday until I got married. <laughs> so, you know, so, so constantly we found ourselves sharing our, our, our friends, right? We couldn't even have our own friends. That's my friend. You know, you, you, okay, if you have siblings, especially if you have siblings of, 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 of the same, you know, um, Age group, if you're the male, you know, so I'm like, okay, that's my friend, yeah. right? Get your own friend. Yeah. That's my friend. To this day, I still wrestle with that. That's my friend. Like, y'all went out to dinner without me? <laughs> right? So we had, we, had to, we had to share clothes. That was the worst. You know, growing up with, with, with brothers, and what was good about it, I started becoming the bigger one, so everybody was difficult for them to share my clothes. You know, but you, 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 had to, you had to share time, whether it's, 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 it's sharing time with your parents, like, you know, that day can have some of your attention. You know, to this day, I think I was traumatized that I was cut off, cut off so much growing up that somebody cut me off, so I get so mad, like angry, like, you know, don't cut me off. You know, me and my wife, we go, I said, babe, you know what I, I grew up with? Trying to get your first word out, you know, in front of all your brothers. And, you know, so, so these are the things we, we, we had to find ourselves, but I won't. Yeah, you know, I, I I won't change it. You know, it, it's funny. So growing up, house full of boys, Christmas time, 
right? Christmas time. So we all got our little things, but then whatever big ticket item we wanted, we had to share. So imagine seven, well, the older ones, the five of us trying to share a video game. Man, we fought. One time I hid the video game. Because I knew it wasn't my time. So if it's not my time, I, I, I was a hater. I grew up, I was a hater growing up. You know? You know, and then, and then, and then as we got a little older, we, we had one huge room. I felt like we lived in a camp. It was three bunk beds. Literally, three bunk beds within that room. My dad squeezed us in. We couldn't afford to move. So we squeezed us in. It was like a camp. And I was like, man, you know, school, you know, I didn't get my own room until I got older. But then, I, you know, a couple of years after I got married and I had to share a room again. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing about it is, as, as we... <laughs> Think about it as, as we get as we look at our life and we look at some of the things we've done. How we had to either either we, we either develop the character voluntarily for selflessness, or it was it was ushered in through some concrete authority. All right. Some people say, "What's concrete authority?" If you if you didn't if you don't understand what concrete authority is, then you are blessed. Yeah, you're blessed. So I'm not even going to tell you what you've missed out on. You're like concrete authority, like Lord have mercy. See, but the, the thing about it, the only way to, to develop uh, selflessness is, 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 is going through the process through time, right? Through experiences, and, 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 and also the way to develop selfishness is being selfish through time, experiences, and even opportunities. So we develop these things and we look at it and say, okay, what does it mean to really be selfish? Because we look at the day and age today, it's crazy. People will, 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 will try to do things. It's funny because we're, we're going through Lent time, right? So we're, we're in Lent and we're supposed to be fasting. And what does Jesus say? He says, he said, don't go and, and cry out loud about the process you're going through in fasting. He said, and then on the second note, he said, he said, don't go and, and, and do a deed and tell everybody. See, because some people, they want to do a deed and, and, and they want to post it on Instagram. But look at my Lynn experience. I'm helping in such and such. Or, or they want to post it on Facebook. Or they want to tweet about it and start going on Twitter or, or even Snapchat. But, but Jesus says, no. He said, look, if you're going to do it in the right spirit. He said, there's a process to go through. In this day and age, you got individuals, they, they do it for self-gain. They do it for, for, for the, you, know, they, you got individuals who, who they, they give and, and, and they, they become selfless or they become uh, what do we call pseudo-selfless because it's a true act of selfish, I mean selfless, and it's an act of selfish. And you can try to create a, a, a prosana of, of, of being selfless, but it's also only being selfish because you're driving your own ego. That's why I ask, do you give to a person who is in need for the thank you or because you were commanded? Because if it was for the thank you, then that means that you are rooted in selfishness. So we're going to talk about selflessness today. 
And, I, and, and you know, so, so we talked about, for the past month, we've talked about generosity. We talked about readiness and giving, right? About being ready. I, I want to be ready, Lord. I want to I be able to be used. Because opportunity is always there, but people who are ready are not always there. And then we talked about freedom and giving. Not being you know, shackled. And, and Paul came in and ministered about you know, the bondage of not being free and giving. And then we talk about magnanimous, and then we focus specifically on, on, on being generous in your forgiveness. And today we're going to talk about selflessness. And the reason why we're going to talk about selflessness, I saved this for, for last, is because selflessness is the root of generosity. If you get anything out of today, get that. Remember a couple of weeks ago we said generosity breeds hope. But selflessness is the root of generosity. So we talked about all of the branches within this tree that's rooted in selflessness. Let's go to James chapter 3. Before we go there, I want to throw some, 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 let's, let's define selfish. Let's define selfish. The definition for selfish is of a person action or motive, lacking consideration for others concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. An ironic thing about it is people, like, like I said, people tend to, to, to create this whole idea of I'm going to be selfless, I'm going to be selfless, but why do you, are, what's the root or what's the motivation behind you being selfish, selfless? And we tend to, to, to call ourselves Doing this thing, but we have ulterior motives. We tend to have a lot of ulterior motives. So you do for such and such because it makes you feel good. I become a blessing for such and such because it makes me feel good. I have met my quota of blessings. When you have a quota of how much blessing you're going to do, you're selfish. And I know some people that are out there, and they call themselves Christians. I said, man, so it's lacking consideration. When you lack consideration, it's very difficult for me to expect you, for me to call you a Christian. How about this? Other words for selfish are egotistical, greedy. Hoggish. I love, I like that word, hoggish. Because I think of a little dirty pig running around. And so when people are selfish, I'm like, you little hoggish. You mean. Narrow-minded. Stingy. Wrapped up in one's self. And ungenerous. So we were talking about generosity, talking about giving and being that individual that really pours out. And, and I love it because I'm trying not to go ahead of myself. <laughs> Let's go to James chapter 3 now, verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambitions, where you have what? Envy. And where you have what? Envy. Okay, look at, look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Where you have envy, have envy and, selfish and selfish ambitions, 
Turn to your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Other neighbor. There, there you find, find disorder, disorder and every evil practice. See, and, and, and that's funny because the irony is, and when you look at the church and the way the church is going, I was uh, talking in, in, in um, uh, Uganda and I said, you know, one, one of the biggest things that we need to do is change the narrative that people have created because of their experience with the church. And I started going through the, the narrative of the church that, that, that the church tends to be selfish. The church tends to be self-centered. The church tends to be a place where there's lacking of hope. The church tends to fail at helping their own that fall. The church is this, that, and this. So a bunch of negative things. I said, why? Because we have inverted what God has called us to do. We find ourselves loving self at the expense of others. Because if we were selfless, more in the church will have, will, will usher more hope. If we were selfless within the church, we'll find ourselves looking and saying, my brother, I know you fell. But let's see how we can usher you back in. How can we salvage this relationship between you and God? What do I need to do? But instead we say, look at this sinner, they're going to hell. Look at this individual, they, they're messing us up, making us all look bad. At the root of generosity is selflessness. Let's go to Romans chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. I'm reading out the Message Bible. Those of us who are strong, who are what? Strong. Who are what? Strong. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Amen. And not just do what is most convenient for us. That right there, we can stay on for a little while. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. You go to the church and you don't find too often the individuals looking for the good. They look for the person to fail. Especially if they're in a position where you want to be. He says, he says, strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. We should be focused on making sure this person succeeds. Our Christian walk is a part of making sure that another Christian's walk succeeds. So I don't, I don't fall, I don't sin, not for self, but for this person. I walk my life as a Christian, not for self, but for this person. I do my best to be a Christian, not for self, but for this person. Because my walk might be a testimony for this other individual who's falling. But what happens in the church? Look at this person. That's why I love him. He says, take, the, take the, the, the beam out your eye. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the person around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? How can I help? And that's where the tension is between humanity and that relationship with God. Because humanity says, oops, upside the head. Humanity says, you know, let's, let's take it to the parking lot. Because don't get me wrong, there's going to be some frustration within the church. But do we let humanity reign 
Or it's like, you know, we've been called to a higher movement. What sets us apart? He says that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waited right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way scriptures puts it. See, write this down. The Christian life should be centered around strengthening others. Write this down. Make sure you write this down. The Christian's life, how do I put it? Thank you. The Christian's life should, wait, one, one more time, one more time, one more time. The, say it one more time. Thank you. So I knew you'd get it. <laughs> God left us with specific instructions. He said, number one, love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. He said, number two, love your neighbors as you love yourself. And people put that precursor into to, to loving self as, as the root for why I, how I can love others. But what happens is they, stick, they tend to send it, stick, uh, stick itself. So I'm going to do for me. YOLO, you only live once. You know, I got to do for me because, you know, they won't do for me. And that becomes a mindset of these individuals. But he said, you can remember, he said, as you, you love yourself, so the end result is not loving you, but loving somebody else. He do that the more we feed the needs of selfishness, the more we're open and vulnerable to living a sinful life. Why? Because write this down. All sin has its origin in selfishness. All sin has its origin in selfishness. Write this one down. Sin, oh no, selfishness is a main ingredient for evil in the world. Sin is the main ingredient. I mean, selfishness is the main ingredient for all the evil in the world. Why did I say I took up psychology in school? And my dad said, why are you going to do psychology? Why don't you do sociology, you know, anthro, uh, anthropologic sociology or anthropologic cultural studies and stuff like that? I said, no, I, want to, I, want to, I try and want to understand why people do what they do. And at the root of it, outside of a chemical imbalance, outside of a, a, a development issue within the brain, outside of that, it, it, you tend to see it rooted yes. in selfishness. You know, we did a case study on, on, on a female, one of the main um, serial killers. Because they say females tend to be the lower on the totem pole for serial killers than men because of the way their frontal lobe is developed compared to men, right? And, and, and so we look at the female, she, was, she had uh, uh, her baby died of, second, uh, of um, uh, SIDS. And everybody came together and loved on her, gave her some attention and stuff like that. And she loved it. And she turned around and next thing you know, the next baby died. I think it was like three babies later that, that they, they said, okay, no, there's something wrong. Right. And they arrested her and they said, okay, what, what was the issue? I love the way they, it made me feel with the people loving on me. 
because and it was rooted in daddy issues, but ultimately it was self-driven. What we can do to such depths if we allow selfishness to run our lives. That's why God, I, I, I used to wonder why God, you know, would, would, would say so much against selfishness and more so against selflessness, the act of selflessness. Outside of it, it's just something good to do, but he knew that it would be antagonistic to selfishness. And he said, leave a, a, a people with deep-rooted in selfishness, you don't know what they will end up doing to each other. So a true community can't thrive if the community is steeped in selfishness. A true community can only really thrive when acts of selflessness is running and ruling how they interact with one another. So as we close, three ways to live selflessly. Three ways to live selflessly. Number one, draw nearer. Draw nearer. What do I mean by that? The closer we are to God and his word, the easier it will become to continue to follow his word. You, see, you show me somebody who's having a hard time living this Christian walk, I'll tell you as a person who's not developing a relationship with God and the word of God. You want somebody, that's why I love this song. He said, even, even, even you know, with the, 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 when things go wrong, you still have my hand. See, because when, when, when you deal with certain tragedies in your life, there's two, two ways to go. Either away from God or closer to God. And the reason why you decide which way to go is based on the relationship you have with him and his word. The deeper the relationship with the word, the closer you draw to God. The looser you have with his word, the quicker it is you run from God. I've seen some people up on stage praising and worshiping God and, and loving God. And, 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 and it was a little thing of getting fired and they stopped going to church. Changed their whole religion. Because you got fired? Number two. Let things go. And this is, this is so many different ways. And last week we talked about forgiveness. Let things go. Unforgiveness is a cancer to the soul. So I said, learn how to deny yourself the things. Learn how to deny yourself of things, mindsets, patterns that God did not necessarily bring into your life. Because there's, there's, there's mindsets, there's things, there's patterns that we have adopted into our life that is antagonistic to what God really had for us. So, you know, most of the reasons why you adopted those is because it was comfort. I'll create this habit, this pattern, because it's comfort. So, number one, draw nearer to God and his Bible. Number two, let things go. Let it go. Some people I say they practice in the Kung Fu grip ministry. Right? If you were my age group, you know, we had the, when G.I. Joe first came out, right? You had Kung Fu grip. Where the, 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 the G.I. Joe can actually hold on to its own 
weapon. You can change the gun, put the knife in and stuff like that. You know, we, we, we were updated compared to my parents' uh, toys that they just had to, the, remember the soldiers? I said, I did this before, right? And when you want to play with them, right? See, but when I grew up, we got, you know, our guys can move a little. We had a kung fu grip. <laughs> Some of y'all have the kung fu grip ministry. You don't let go of things. You don't let go of things that are... See, when your hands are too heavy and full of things that you should let go, it's very difficult for you to embrace the things that God has for you. So you got to make a decision. Let go and embrace or hold on and miss out. It's on you. And number three... Let your thoughts be more towards your neighbor. Let your thoughts be more towards your neighbor. We come in here and I say, talk to your neighbor. Some of you, if it wasn't for me telling you to talk to your neighbor, you wouldn't even speak to your neighbor. Some of you probably don't even know the name of your neighbor. You'll probably see them every Sunday. But I say, sit there and be mindful of your neighbor. You don't know what your neighbor's going through. Why do I have to ask you to pray for your neighbor? Why don't you sit down right next to your neighbor and just start praying for them? I don't know what's going through, Lord, but I just want to bless them. I want to come into a power agreement with what they're praying for. I, 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 Lord, I pray for your will to be done. I don't need to know anything of the circumstance or situation, but I'm in agreement for, Lord, for a better outcome because if you're involved, Lord, goodness is inevitable. But we sit there on a Sunday and get our word. And if it's good, you're, 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 go ahead, Pastor, preach. If it's really good, that's when you start talking to them, right? But how often are we intensely mindful of our neighbor? That's what I love about prayer. Prayer, prayer puts you in a mindset. I, I wrote this in my book. If you don't have unapologetic ambassadors, or an unapologetic Christian, bold living in chaotic world, it's a very good book. I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the chapters I talk about prayer, and it's something that prayer does when you start praying for your, for an individual. It puts you into a place of sensitivity. It puts you into a place of discernment. So when you walk by that person, you say, are you good? And they say, yes, and they, but, they're, but they're trying to put it on the front. You know there's something wrong. Prayer puts you not, to, not just to be discerning, but now also to take action. Let's pray. I don't know what you're going through, but we need to, we need to pray right now. Let's step to the side. See, because if, and the only way you can do that is if you're operating out of a selfless motive. See, that's why when people tell you, oh, how are you doing today? Is that just because you're asking to go through the motions, or do you really mean that? How was your week? Oh, did you, did you, you have time for it? <laughs> Number one, draw nearer. Number two, let it go. Let it go. And number three, be more intentional about caring for your neighbor. People are watching the church. And as I travel more and more, people are watching the church 
of America. This is what they said. You go to Africa, no matter where it is in Africa. They said we should send our people over to America to learn how to do this church thing. And one, one bishop said, he said, when, when my people came back, we noticed that the churches that they were planting were failing. And he said, the biggest thing I noticed is that they imbibed the culture and spirit of the Church of America. The problem that we've had is that we've been so anti-institution that we threw out certain traditions that were actually put there, put in place, even though it might not have been biblical, but they were put in place to protect the purity of the gospel. And we've compromised that to be relevant. We've compromised that to be cool. But I'm telling you, it's time to go back to basics. America used to send the missionaries out, now the missionaries are coming into America. I'll say it again, the, the missionaries, we were sending our missionaries out of America to go to these countries. We're going to save the world. Now the missionaries are coming to America to save the church. So the question is, what is CCC going to do to change the narrative? And I believe it's, it starts with selflessness. You study your Bible when you're more selfless. You, 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 you pray to God, you tend to, when you, you, you're more selfless. Because you start realizing that, that this walk with God is not for me only, but for somebody else. I preached a couple, uh, a couple of years ago, I said, I said God in the, is in the business of showing off. So he takes you, gets you saved, and shows you off. But the question is, what are you going to give them to show off? Let's close our Bibles. I pray that you got something out of this. Remember, if you don't remember anything out of this message, remember this. Selflessness. Well, let's change it. Generosity is rooted in selflessness. You want to find out why you're having a hard time being generous? Check to see how selfless you are. And the second thing I want you to go home with. Is that selfishness is the main reason for the evil in this world. Selfishness is the main reason for evil in this world. You have had denominations come out of selfish ambitions. You have individuals starting certain, certain religions out of selfishness. See, when, Christian, Christ, when Christianity tends to put a demand on an individual who's devout in religion but can't hold up to the, 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 the things that God is requesting them, they want to start another religion to make themselves feel better.
know, I was, I was trying to think of a nice inspirational way to, uh, to end this month off. I said, let's, let's end with selflessness. And, you know, I, I just pray that we own this. I pray that it's not just something we listen to. I pray that we really own this. You know, it's sad when I can find individuals that don't believe in God more generous than people who, who believe in God. Because what they'll say is, I don't need God to be generous. So my thing is, are we going to change the narrative of CCC? No? Online, are we going to change the narrative? In the balcony, are we going to change the narrative of how people look at the church? I believe we are called. And I love it. The church thrives the most in turmoil. So I'm looking forward to this turmoil. Because I know I got a bunch of individuals who are going to be selflessly praying for me. Amen, CCC? Man. This prayer that needs to be done. I don't know what to pray for. I'm trying to get sense, be sensitive in, in the flow of the Spirit and say, okay, Lord, what is it that I need to pray for? Where, where do we need to go? But I, I, Somebody's hurting in here. I don't know what it is, but I feel your pain. I don't know why. I'm not even going to try to you know, be that individual. I just know you're hurting. God wants to help you with that. God wants to help you with the, that, that hurt, that pain. So as we all start praying, is there somebody in here that does not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Does not know him as, 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 as my, your, your Lord and Savior? And if you don't know I'm talking about, I'm talking to you. Actually, you raise your hand. Because I, I, I want to be a part of that family of Christ. So good, everybody saves here. So now start praying and intercede on one another. Start praying for your neighbor in, your, 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 in front of you, behind you, to the left of you, to the right of you. And as you're praying, I want you, if you're dealing with some hurt, some anger, some frustrations, something that's just really, really slowing you down to walk this life, I want you to raise your hand. If you're challenged and being generous because of how people mistreated you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to take that hand and put it over your heart. And repeat these words. Say, Master Surgeon, the great physician, I surrender this heart. It's yours. Do what you need to do to make it right for a place for you to reside in. Clean it up. Take it out and put new stuff in. Increase my love for my brother, my sister, for my neighbor. Increase my heart to become a bigger place so that more will flow out 
as I represent you. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm completely yours. I fully surrender. My hurt, my pain, my frustration, my bitterness, my cynicism, my... To you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So, Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be used by you. We pray and ask that you just bless it. Bless this day. Bless us as we travel to and from each and every destination. While we are at each and every destination, your will be done, Lord. From bumper to bumper, tire to tire, Lord. Guide God and govern the paths. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, say it like we mean it. This Bible. This Bible. Okay, the balcony, I don't know if I heard you correctly. This Bible, this Bible is our primary source of faith. Source of faith. This, Bible this Bible is our rule of conduct. This Bible, this Bible creates the lens that we see life through. As we leave this place with never God's presence, Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.